Welcome to the Father's Heart with Tom Clark, better known as Papa Tom. Good morning. This is Papa Tom of the Father's Heart Talk Show. And this show is going to be the most exciting show that I've done since I've done the Father's Heart Talk Show. I just feel it inside. It's viscerally just emanating out of me. The special guest that I have here is uh, very, very unusual. And uh, my wife and I went to see the Awaken America tour. Clay Clark looks on uh, several times a year. This is the one in Tulare, California. And I met a lot of famous people there, like General Michael Flynn and Clay Clark and Mike Lindell and all these different famous people. But there's one person of all the people that I met that just stood out. It was just something that there was a connection that went on there. And it was something that has to do with my calling and destiny that, that interface with her calling and destiny. Our special guest is um, Kim Clement's daughter. For those of you who don't know who Kim Clement is, he's probably the greatest prophet that God had produced in America. And he's actually not even from America. He's from South Africa. But he's the greatest prophet that uh, was God's gift to America for the last 50 years. And his daughter is Donna Clement Petruska. She's currently vice president of House of Destiny. And the things that we're going to talk about, if you really listen to the impact they're going to have on America and on the year 2024, because we're doing this in January, on the election, on overcoming fear out of the heart of God, because perfect love casts out fear, as Scripture tells us, but it's very practical. Perfect love casts out fear is a practical thing. This is not a religious conversation we're having here. We're going into the marketplace, and we're discussing things that can help you overcome fear, and we're going to do this in this show, and you're going to hear things that you've never heard before. But so with that in mind, I want to just introduce Donna, and she's going to share a little bit about her background so you can get a sense for where she's coming from and so forth. She just told me she's the oldest of nine children. How do you like that? I'm the oldest of eight, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that to you before. All, all natural. My, my mother was pregnant 12 times in the first 18 years of their marriage, and she had four miscarriages and eight children. So she understood the principle that God gave us to be fruitful and multiply. And I understand Kim Clement did, must have did the same thing with you, Danae, and your, kid, and your brothers and sisters. So uh, with that in mind, uh, Danae, share with our audience um, you know, something about yourself and a little bit of background other than the fact that you're the oldest of nine children and the daughter of Kim Clement. Okay, sure, I can do that. Hello, hello, everybody. Thank you for having me today. Um, actually, I am the oldest of 10. I said that wrong. There's nine others beside me. Oh. So I'm the oldest of 10 of us. Five uh, were natural born mm -hmm. from my mom and dad, and then five were adopted. And they adopted five children from China mm. who were special needs uh, during the time when China had the one child law. Wow. So there were many, uh, especially special needs children and little girls who were abandoned in China during those years. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, so they were doing missions. Uh, in particular, it started after uh, the earthquake in Japan. They wanted to do something to help. My dad had prophesied that earthquake. He said there would be an earthquake in Japan mm -hmm. and it happened. And um, they wanted to help. And through the course of doing that, they discovered um, how many orphans there were in need. Mm -hmm. And so they started a mission to help orphans, especially in China. And especially uh, girls. 
and especially the little girls and the special needs children who were being abandoned because mm -hmm. if they were only to have one child, then they wanted to have a son mm -hmm. or they wanted to have a healthy child. And so sure. you saw a lot of people uh, abandoning children. And so through the course of helping these children, they adopted five in the process because of course, um, you know, you can't be around helping that many children and not, not uh, just fall in love with them because they were just so precious. And um, our ministry actually helped hundreds mm -hmm. of uh, abandoned uh, and neglected children who were in orphanages in China. Uh, we helped them to get surgeries that they needed. Mm -hmm. uh, the way they did that was by uh, working with uh, Save a Child's Heart and the Wolfson Medical Center in Israel. And the doctors in Israel would do surgeries for a third of the price of what it would cost in America, for instance. Mm -hmm. And so they helped hundreds of children and in the process adopted five. And when my mom first approached my dad about adopting uh, the first two, who are my sisters, Shalianne and Mia, mm -hmm. um, uh, he wasn't sure, you know, because they, had, they were a little bit older at that point. Sure. Um, they had reached their 50s. And he, you know, he was a little unsure and he went out and he said, okay, I'll go pray about it. Because my mom said, you go pray, Kim. <laughs> he went to, he, has, he had a prayer garden, mm -hmm. an area in the yard that he sectioned off just to pray. And he went there three times a day without fail to pray. And he went to his prayer garden and he prayed. And um, in the middle of asking God, should we do this? Uh, two little hummingbirds hovered right in front of his face. And they just stayed there like they were looking at him. He said it was the most incredible experience because the two little, I mean, hummingbirds will usually be frightened. And he said it was, he knew in that moment that that was the answer. And there were the two little hummingbirds and they, they went to China and they got my two sisters. Two little hummingbirds. <laughs> the two little hummingbirds. They're, they're teenagers now yeah. and they're beautiful and healthy and God is going to do great things in their lives. And, uh, and that's a testament to your father's heart right there of having a father's heart. The yes. fact that he would do that. He was an incredible father. He was a, a, I used to say, I have the best dad in the world. Every father's day, it was like, we've got to get him something special. What are we going to get him this year? Because he was so unique and, and so different. And, uh, you know, he, he, he had a hard time, you know, it wasn't like he had a regular job. He had this most unusual calling on his life and this most unusual gift. And our family was in a most unusual situation. But one thing we did have was good parents. Mm -hmm. And he, my dad was a, I, I couldn't say enough about what an incredible dad he was. Give, us, give the audience an example of something that an experience you have had with him as a father that was just unusual. Well, I'll tell you, um, unusual we can go to, but before I do that, I'll tell you this. We were talking about fear before we started yes. uh, today, before mm -hmm. we started recording. The very first scripture verse that my dad taught me was, the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Mm. And he did that because I was, you know, four or five years old and I would get scared at night, you know, sure. kids get scared. And that's what he would do. And that was the, he would make me say it with him and we would pray together. And so, and, you know, of course, if I got scared, he let, he let me go, you know, go sleep there with mom and dad if I was scared. But always he would encourage me to overcome the fear. And that was a huge part of his your, your of, upbringing, of our upbringing. And, yeah. and his message was do not 
fear, do not be afraid. And that was something he taught me at the very foundation of my life. He made sure I understood the Lord has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Later and on the show, we're going to deal with a very specific area where we're going to help American people overcome mm -hmm. that and apply that scripture in their lives in a very practical way. So that's that's very interesting that that was the first thing that your dad you know brought up to you. And uh, that was in his heart to protect you as his daughter, right? Did he have any sons, by the way? Yes. There's three sons. The rest are girls. <laughs> <laughs> but um, there's my brother, Caleb, um, and my brother, Jacob, and then my adopted brother, Matt. Mm -hmm. I have three brothers. So there were three sons. Caleb was the third. So I was born first, then my sister, Jacqueline, then my brother, Caleb, mm -hmm. and then Libby, my sister, and then... Uh, the youngest of the natural born, my brother Jacob, and then of the five adopted, uh, four were girls and one was a boy, and mm -hmm. his name is Matt, and he's doing great. Fantastic. <laughs> you know, uh, it would be very interesting, but on the Father's Heart talk show, I always talk about uh, that God had designed uh, fathers to be present. This is why fatherlessness is such a bad thing, because it, it hurts people from finding their calling and destinies. And uh, even natural fathers are given the privilege of bringing out their ch children's calling and destinies. And yes. the first thing that a, that a father should be doing to bring out the child's calling and destiny is naming the child. The child's name should come from the father. Now, it would be very interesting to have a prophet like your father being the natural father uh, or even the adopted father of these uh, children and your brothers and sisters because he would have a special insight in doing that anyway. But even if you weren't a prophet, even if you weren't gifted in the same way that your dad was, natural fathers are given that role. In fact, the secular world will even say 85% of a child's identity comes from the words that their father speaks. Yeah. And I, I absolutely agree with that 100%. And it's interesting you'd bring that up because my dad named me before I was born. Um, my parents were young when they were married and I was like, you know, I was the first and my mom was pregnant and dad came to her one day. And this is back. Uh, I was born in 1979. So you, you didn't know the, the, the gender of the child, the mm -hmm. way you find out now. Mm -hmm. And um, my mother was convinced I was going to be a boy. My grand, my grandmother was convinced it was a boy. And my dad came home one day and again, my mom was still pregnant and he had a pink dress for a baby and he said <laughs> there's a clue there <laughs> he said we're gonna have a little girl and her name is donna and donna is just a, a french word it mm -hmm. means to give or given mm -hmm. so if i were speaking french to you i would say je donne vous mm -hmm. for instance so my name is just the, the french word give so we'll get back to this in a, in a moment i want to cover one of the important attachment or thought that's attached to the name. 80% of the people I talk to, and I ask them their name, obviously they tell me their name, I said, what is the meaning of your name? And most people don't know the meaning of their name. And yet the meaning of their name is a, is a clue. It's an indicator of what your calling and destiny is. So it's very interesting that your father knew that your name was Dane, that it means give or given, and um, that you were a girl. Uh, I have a story when I get back, I'll share with you how the Lord revealed to me the name of my firstborn son a month before he was born. And I didn't know the gender of it either at the time. 
We'll be back in a moment with Donay Clement Petruska. We're back with Donay Clement Petruska, and we were just talking about how important names are and how fathers give their names to their children and the names have meanings. I mentioned four out of five people that I talk to do not know the meanings of their names and how important the meaning of their name is because that's a clue to what their calling and destiny is and also their identity. So um, we were, I was just sharing with Danae in the break that um, about four to six weeks before my oldest son was born, I am the, uh, I have eight, I'm the oldest of eight, but in my family, uh, that I'm the father of, I have been blessed, we have been blessed with six children. The oldest child, six weeks before he was, he was born, we didn't know the gender at the time, God told me his name was Isaac. I said, Isaac, Isaac, I don't even like the name Isaac. I was not even my radar screen. Why would I call this kid Isaac? And I was born in an Irish Catholic family, and my wife was Italian, and uh, you know all the people I knew that were named were uh, Patrick and Kevin and Michael and Tommy and Timmy and those kinds of names. Isaac was just off the charts for me. And uh, I mentioned to my wife, she said, well, you better be a boy if you're going to name him Isaac. But then I, the thought came to me, I could call him or spell the name instead of I-S-A-A-C, spell it I-Z-A-A-K, which is the older Hebrew form of the word Isaac. It's Itzak. And then uh, we spelled it I-Z-A-A-K and called him Zach. And I just love the name Zach. And uh, his, his name uh, actually means laughter. It also means the long-awaited son which is also true because the Lord opened up my mother, my, my wife's womb and she wasn't able to have children for years. Uh, and then uh, she was barren and uh, he gave her a prophecy that the barren woman will come forth with children and she got pregnant. So there's wow. a very interesting background stories to that and his name and his destiny is associated with being uh, an Isaac, a prince of the kingdom. And I mean, what better? I mean, think of that. Think of that story. Think of that situation and what that moment meant. What Abraham and Isaac and 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 the willingness to sacrifice his 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 own son that he'd waited for, and God intervened and and said to him, "I will provide myself." The land. My God, I want to weep even when I talk about it. I cannot even talk about that story from the Bible without wanting to cry. And so, but you named your son Isaac. Is is that is a great name? That is a that is a fool. That name is full of destiny and full of hope. You know, one of the other th correlating thoughts about that was uh, one of the first prophets I met in my life when I became a Christian 40 years ago, uh, or a little over 40 years ago, was um, uh, a gentleman by the name of Rod Enzer. He probably doesn't, isn't even alive anymore. But uh, I was driving the car to some meeting we had, and he said, stop the car, and I got you off. He said, Lord, give me a word for you. I said, what is it? He says, you are as Abraham. You are a friend of God. That was before I even had the sheep. My wife got pregnant. That's very significant. There's a clear message from God. Yeah. Very clear. And that same prophet uh, stayed at our house for about a week when he was doing his ministry work. And then he left. They called back a week later. And he gave my uh, wife the only scripture the Lord had ever gave, given her from Psalms about the barren woman who would come forth with child. And it, it was like an Elijah moment with the Shumanite woman. And yes. uh, it, it's just crazy, the stuff that God does right out of the scripture. I mean, it's like reliving the scriptural biblical stories. Yes. And I, you know what I've found through being a witness to the prophetic, uh, 
what has happened to me, especially over the past eight years since uh, my dad got sick and losing my dad and becoming the vice president of the ministry with my mother, um, and then really studying the prophecies of my dad, but then with my mother, what is in the Bible mm-hmm. and the biblical prophecies. And for me, the experience has been, has been remarkable because of the way that I have witnessed how God works on a very large scale through generations. So it's like we live in our lives in the moment and and we notice the things that are happening around us. And even those little prophetic moments that happen with us or if we're prophesied over or if God reveals something to us. But the perspective that I've been given that is unique is that my dad was a prophet and called into the office of, which um, you know, a lot of people don't understand about the prof- the prophetic um, as much as they should, um, because it is sort of a strange thing. It's not, you know, if you go out into the world and you start talking about prophets, people have an idea of what that is. A crazy and, idea. Uh, right. And so it's not, uh, it, it, there's a necessity, a need for that gift of the spirit in people today. Um, not just having a prophet prophesying things, which we, God gave us through my dad and others. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and those kind of prophecies are little lights along the way in a time that's so confusing and there's so much deception. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's so hard to see that God gives us prophets to prophesy the way my dad did mm-hmm. so that in these situations, we know we're on the right track because right. there's a little light. Trump will be a trumpet. There's a little light over there. Uh, Roe v. Wade will be uh, uh, overturned. So we know we're we're in the right direction. But then there's layers upon layers upon layers to the prophetic, um, because there's there's layers upon layers upon layers to everything that God does. And so my perspective has number one changed because I used to rely on my dad. To, okay, so what did he prophesy? And looking at it that way, but the journey has revealed to me that it goes far beyond my dad. And that God being outside of time and able to to see the end from the beginning, the way in which he works, when you start to see how these prophecies start to to be fulfilled, and even in your own life, the way God will reveal something to you, help you with something, show you something, you'll see the depth to it is is so remarkable that you will, in the end, stand in awe. And it's more than just, oh, somebody predicted something accurately, Mm -hmm. but the intricate way in which God weaves his will into ours. <laughs> it's interesting how you describe it that way. I know in my conversations with people, there's a lot of confusion, even in the body of Christ, over uh, prophecy and the office of prophet. Just because someone prophesies doesn't mean they're in the office of prophet. Right. Right. And most, a lot of people don't understand that. They also... I, have seen, I have seen some very, very anointed pastors mm-hmm. who are called to pastor receive a true prophetic word from the Lord and deliver it because it is a gift of the spirit that we are all allowed to have. So even though that pastor was able to prophesy accurately, he's not in the office of the prophet. Correct. And my dad, although he could prophesy so accurately would have told you himself, I am not meant to be a pastor. I'm not called to that. Mm. So that's where we get into destiny and how important each of our own unique destinies are and that we are aligned with that. What do you think your destiny is? My destiny ended up being my dad. Well, it's interesting because I I got an insight into it. 
And, and part, part of my thought process was that uh, you could get distracted in one sense about the past because your father's prophecies were in the past. Mm-hmm. But God wants to use you in your destiny for the future and to take what those seeds were planted by your father and be part of the reaping process of those seeds in the future. So the words that he spoke 10 years ago, 15, 20, whatever years ago, before he passed away, eight years ago, those were seeds are planted. You can go back and look at them, but it's not going back and look at them and stopping there. It's taking that and then going into the moment in the present and then going into the future. So, yeah. because many of them haven't even, some of them haven't even happened, not many of them, some of them haven't happened yet, but the yeah. purpose for what they were given for was for the purpose that God was going to go in America going future. And you told me in one of my private conversations that God, that you, you knew that your father's uh, destiny was to overcome fear in America. Oh, and, yes. And that these prophecies that he had uh, been given were to help people overcome fear. And so yeah. God's going to use you in that process, you know, not in the past, right now. Right now. Right now. And right now, and then moving forward from now to help uh, America overcome its fear because America has to overcome its fear in order for yeah. America to feel, fulfill its destiny. One thing that and my it's dad relationship with prophesied, God. one thing that he prophesied, he would, he would go on and on about not fearing, not fearing. But in actual prophecy, he said, if you fear, your enemy will know it. Hmm. You cannot fear because if you fear, your enemy will know it. Mm-hmm. And that has stuck with me through all of the things that have gone on through COVID and the vaccines, through the January 6th thing, all of that, which my dad also saw January 6th. And he said, in a new year to come, that the spirit of King David would be set at the foot of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. of the United States of America. And then he was agitated and he said, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. So there was a very significant spiritual thing that was going on there that day. And so you did see the demonic rage and the reaction, but there was something sacred that happened there that has been corrupted by um, evil. People. Evil but, people have corrupted it. Yes. Evil people have used yes. that situation and portrayed it as an insurrection, and and they've arrested those people as you we've talked about. Yes. And their whole purpose of of calling them terrorists, which they were not, was no. to take away their constitutional rights invalidly, so they could lock them up and not give them their due process rights, mm-hmm. and and not treat them as American citizens because they were quote unquote terrorists. And but, this this is this is a, a, an outrage. It is an outrage. And the thing is that because the true reason uh, for those people to go that day to the Capitol was to challenge and to ask Pence to, uh, I think, however it works, I don't know all the details of how, how officially it all works. but to Not to certify the elections coming from the state. Don't certify it yet. Investigate. Mm-hmm. So the American people asked for accountability from their government and in return were jailed and called terrorists. Mm-hmm. So that is tyranny then. That is because that is the classic it, example. You couldn't have a more clear example of tyranny. And we'll be back in a moment and discuss this concept of tyranny and how God gave us freedom to overcome tyranny 
and we're going to share with the public how we could actually do that in 2024, the year of the door. Yes. By the way, as part of the things I, you know, I, I actually enjoy a little bit of acting in, in terms of and my inflection and my voice, but it works really well for, for um, you know, uh, media. It works very well for you. Need that, yes. yeah. You have because if people are, especially if they're only listening, if it's like a podcast, I do a lot of that. You need that, um, um, a little bit of that too. Otherwise, 